Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. As Pastor Moses said this morning, I want to continue on the sermon series of of faith and increasing our faith. And I want to start off uh, with a little bit of a like a, a negative a negative report before I bring in the Word of God, because I think that when we talk about faith, I think it's important that we are uh, realistic, that we are speaking the truth. And how many have found that your faith has has taken a bit of a beating over the last little while? How many would say, you know, that, that you know, we're not we're not just here to pump up our own tires. The the reality is that there are seasons where uh, we are pressed on every side, where our faith is is being is being challenged, and and even coming out of out of COVID and, and everything that happened there, and and some of the giants that have risen up in the nation and in the land, and and the defeats that you know it would seem that God, the church, the Word of God. Uh, has faced, especially in North America, it's it's easy to look at these things and become a little bit bewildered to say, God, what 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 is going on? Why why are the why are the things that we declare and that we believe not actually happening? Why are why are prayers not always being answered? And my friends, there were seasons, even in the Old Testament in the nation of Israel, where where they went where they went through this. And so we know that that faith doesn't deny facts. Faith doesn't deny what is going on, but faith overcomes. Come on, somebody, faith overcomes. That that it's in these moments, in these moments that seem like we're losing, we're failing. It's it's not working. But that's where faith really kicks in. And it is, it is an amazing, can I say it this way? You know, we, we talk a lot about contagious things these days. But it is absolutely an uplifting to be around people that are faith-filled, that know God. I mean, those people are contagious in a good way. You, you know what I'm talking about? You get around some people, you don't even have to speak to them for five minutes, and all of a sudden you're down, depressed, you you feel worse, you get on the phone with them, and, and all but you get around people of, of faith, and all of a sudden they become the, the wind beneath their wings, they 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 give you that that invigorated belief in God, they they refresh you. They're giant killers. I want to continue this story about giant killing faith. We we talked about defeating your trolls last week. How many found out you have some trolls? <laughs> but let me tell you something. Trolls are important. Trolls are important because it's that developmental process. You see, faith is a developmental process. You, you grow in faith. How many could say you can believe God for more today than when you first started? Yeah. Why? Because faith is a muscle. You you have developed, you have grown, you believe God for greater and, and bigger things. And along the way, you, you had to overcome trolls. You had to walk away from some and ignore others. And you had to focus on God and the things that were absolutely necessary because those trolls help you to get on the battlefield to face your Goliath. 
So many people want to, they want to get to Goliath and they haven't even defeated a troll. Let me say it again. If you have not defeated your trolls, you have no business being on the battlefield with Goliath, you will lose. If your faith is not at a level that it is required to be in that battle. By the way, that's why I believe the Lord keeps us from certain battles because he knows we are not ready for those battles. But he's developing us. He's, he's getting us ready and we are co-laboring with him. We are preparing like, like David. I want to draw from, from the life of David this giant killer and the, the faith that he had this morning because I want us to increase in faith. I, I want us to believe God for more. Watch this. Not just because of ourselves. But even as Pastor Moses said, the nation, the nation, the nation requires it. The people require it. The people are looking, even those that are not faith people, they are, they are looking for answers. I speak to people all the time. And whether people believe in God, they don't believe in God, here's what they know, something is wrong. People know something is off, but, but you see, even because even just good, decent people are quiet and silent, the wicked rise. How many know what I'm talking about? And some of you, listen to me, some of you, how many people, you were born in this nation? You were not born. Show me. Pastor Moses was born on a mountain. You were not born in this nation. Come on, look around, look around, look around. You know, have you ever thought, ever thought why you're here? See, some of you are like, well, you know, Pastor, I came for an opportunity. I came for a better job. Maybe some of you are like, you know, my parents arrived here. But, but did you ever think that maybe there is a spiritual assignment to why you're here? You ever think that God brought you here so that you would lend your faith, your strength, your voice to the church? You thought about that? That you're here for more than just a job? That you're here for more than just an opportunity and maybe an education or a better life? Have you ever thought, hey, maybe God planted me here? Maybe I have purpose in this land and to bring about God's glory because I don't know about you, but Canada belongs to Jesus. Canada belongs to Jesus. This morning, I want to talk to you about giant killing faith. I want to talk to you about the shepherd boy. The shepherd boy that overcame all the odds, all the trolls, all the impossibility. Everybody in the world knows the story about David and Goliath. And, and as I said last week, you know, so many times we just, we say, oh, the children, the children need to know that story downstairs. No, we need to know the story. We need to know the story of giant killers that, that believed God, that overcame overcame obstacles and adversities that, that despite everything that was going on around them, despite all the impossibility that something rose up within them to believe God, because when you believe God, anything is possible. Come on, somebody, give God praise. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. God doesn't need a lot of people. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when, when he got irritated with the nation of Israel, he said to Moses, I'm going to wipe them all out and I'm going to start with you. Huh? God doesn't need a lot of people. He just needs a few radical, obedient, faith people that are going to say, God, no matter what, we're going to believe you. God says, that's all I need. Just a few. 
Just a few, just a few that will do his work and do his bidding and understand the purpose for why they're here. So as we get into 1 Samuel 17, 40, I, I want you to understand that I understand. I understand that we are weary. I understand that we have seen defeat. I understand that giants are all over the land. I understand that there's all kinds of wickedness that is happening. And, and I also understand that unfortunately, you would think that everybody in the church, that everybody in the body of Christ would understand who the real giants are, who the real Goliaths are, that, that when they show up blaspheming, sometimes we have people in the church that actually defend them, stand with them, say, oh, you know, we ought to include, we ought to include these things be, because after all, God is love. But my friends, let me tell you very clearly, the Bible tells us that there are things that God hates. There are things that God hates. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs, he says these things, six things, yea, seven things. The Bible says that God, God hates some things. Why? Because he's perfect love. You see, when you are perfect love, then you can stand up and say, here are the things that I hate. But today, hate has become such a negative word, and I guess in so many ways it is, but my friends, listen, we ought to hate the things of sin. We ought to hate the things of iniquity. But what we are watching is that things are being redefined for us. The dark is the light, the light is the dark, wrong is right, right is wrong, up is down, down is up, it's all over the place, and, and people are so confused. I had this young couple, I think I might, I think I might have seen them in the room, maybe they, they came to see me. Someone had invited them with a invite card. Came to church, got saved, they were living together, they weren't married. And all of a sudden, they began to hear the, the teaching. They fell under conviction. They, they came to me and said, Pastor, we want to get married. We want, we want to have counseling. We're, we're not going to live together. We're going to move out. We're going to go live, you know, separately. Uh, we've set a date. We want, you to, we want you to marry us. And all of a sudden, they began to say, Pastor, as we've been making these decisions, God has been moving. The things that God has been doing in our, in our family is, is just amazing. And I said, well, how have people responded? They said, well, some people think we're crazy huh others are respectful and I said but what about you what what do you believe and they said no 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 we believe we're doing the right thing we believe that we are that we're honoring God and 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 I'm gonna understand that when you honor God God's gonna honor you huh <laughs> I thought to myself, isn't it amazing? You begin to, you know, you be, when you live a wicked life, everybody thinks you're normal. But then all of a sudden, you begin to live a, a life for God, which, by the way, takes faith. It takes faith. And then people say, you're crazy, that you've been brainwashed. You're absolutely right. For the first time, your brain has been washed. Huh? God has washed your brain. God, and you have clear thoughts and clear understanding. And you know, you know that song I can see clearly now? The, you know, come on, the rain is gone. Yeah. For the first time in your life, you tell them, yes, my brain is washed. You ought to wash yours too. Yes. But let me talk about David. Let me let me talk about giant killing faith. And, and church, can I can I just let me let me let me say this? 
You know, sometimes we, we so spiritualize things that, that we, you know, we just get out of line because we want to be so spiritual. But, you know, the fact that your washing machine broke down, how many understand that's not your giant? Huh? Come on, Kenmore is not your enemy, right? Like Frigidaire, Frigidaire is not your Goliath. You understand? Like we live in a world where, where things break down, things happen, and, and all of a sudden we try to, oh, the devil, listen, the devil is not in your washing machine, okay? Get over yourself. Get over yourself. But there is real spiritual warfare. Goliaths are spiritual. They are, they are loud. They are obnoxious. They are intimidating. They're a problem. They, they insult you. They insult God. They, they try to bleed you of your faith. And, and my friends, honestly, it is a spiritual battle. And what we see in David and Goliath is we, we see a national problem. Catch it, church. He wasn't David's personal Goliath. He was a national problem. For 40 days, he'd get up morning and night, cursing God, cursing Israel, cursing the nation, cursing the army. It was a national problem that brought individuals into captivity until David shows up. Until the shepherd boy shows up and he hears this loudmouth Goliath insulting God and he begins to say, who, who, wait a minute, wait a minute, who is this? And why are we allowing it? Oh, church, listen. Why are we allowing the things that are happening in the nation to happen? It is bizarre. It is bizarre. I'm online. I'm just going to say, you know, uh, I saw uh, I saw a heading this morning that Disney now is is going to bring out their full uh, transsexual character. Never happened before. Why? To convert children. But you see, there are people that are going to tell you that's good, Pastor, and you're full of hate. I'm not full of hate. I'm not full of hate, but what I'm telling you is the things that you are indoctrinating these children with, you have become an enemy of God. You've become an enemy of God. God is very serious about children. And, and then there was another, another article that I, anybody remember the lady that led the truck convoy? Huh? Merrill Lynch, yeah. They arrested her, they let her out on bail. Now she's arrested again. This one, it was in the Calgary paper. So ironic that, that it says that, you know, they've denied her bail. But right under it, it says, sexual offender released. Yes. This is the world. This is the nation that we are living in. The, a lady that, that, you know, stood for freedom. You won't let her out of jail, but you're going to let the sexual offender get out? Yeah. This is, this is the world that we're living in, but, but this is the faith that is required for us to be seated into to make a difference. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read a, a few scriptures here at a first set. Am I doing okay? Because I won't build your faith. And then we're going to sing, this is a move. Because my friends, here's the truth. Giants still fall. Come on, somebody say, giants still fall. Say this, mountains still move. <laughs> I love that Ranjeev came up here with that scripture because it says to me that God is still healing bodies, huh? Nobody's going to tell God what to do and nobody's going to change who he is. God is going to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And regarding the earth, you know what the Lord says to all these globalists, privileged, wealthy, huh? You know what he says? The earth is mine. The gold is mine. The silver is mine. It all belongs to me. Yeah, count it on a thousand hill. All these crazy take over the world people, huh? <laughs> Come on, my friends. Where's Napoleon today? Hmm? He dead. Say that with me. You know, you got to say it my way. He dead. Huh? Where's, where's Nebuchadnezzar today? He dead. Huh? Where's Stalin today? Where's Hitler today? They all dead. They all dead. But Jesus, he's alive. <laughs> he's alive. All right, I want to get seven. Everybody say, he dead. <laughs> First Samuel 17, 40. Then he took his staff. The staff. I had to borrow this from the children's play. It looks like a light pole, but but it, it for illustration purposes, I think if David had this, he might have got killed. But anyway, um, he took his staff because he's a shepherd. This is who he is, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. I'm going to show you something with that staff. He took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put it in a shepherd's bag and in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine and so the Philistine came and began drawing near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him. In other words, Goliath is not only armed to the teeth. And by the way, the Bible gives us such detail about his armor. I'm not going to have, I don't have time to read it today, but please go. It's such detail how big this man was, his weaponry, the weight of it. It was unbelievable. And he has an armor bearer. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. <laughs> yeah. Come on, rejoice when people disdain you. I'm telling you. He disdained him for he was only a youth and ruddy and good looking. Hey, what a curse to be good looking. I tell you. Because Goliath is ugly. Sin is ugly. Darkness is ugly. But God is beautiful. That's what the Bible says. And so the Philistines said to David, am I a dog? Yes, you are. You're a dog. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I'll make your, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now watch this. David, everybody say David responds. See, because every Goliath needs a response. And he says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in the name of the God of angel armies that you have defied. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord, who? The Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. I mean, David's already played the victory out. Here's what's going to happen to you. And this day I will give the carcasses. I love that word. The carcasses, not even they're your people. The carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Watch this. That all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Huh? David says this is not even a this is not even a fight about this nation that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. And then this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. Watch this, for the battle is whose? It is the Lord's. 
Everybody say, it's the Lord's battle. And he will give you into our hands. And so it was that when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried. David ran toward the army to meet Philistine, the Philistine. And then David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. I just wanted to hear that sound. Of that nine foot six giant fall face first. I guess he's not blaspheming now. I guess he's not insulting God now. Huh? Whether it's Goliath, whether it's Dagon, whether it's all these giants, whether it's all these false gods, I declare today they're all gonna fall one by one. They will all fall. Face first into the earth. And so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. And therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Church, listen to me. I, I know we're standing for a moment here. Part of the reason, I have to give you this secret, part of the reason why believers get defeated over and over again is because believers are good at stunning the giant, but you refuse to cut off its head. The stone has hit him. He's on the ground. But David said, no, you're, you're never getting up. I'm going to cut your head right off today. You'll never get up again. And so when the men, watch this now. When the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted. Now watch what shifted. The fear was in Israel's camp. When Goliath dies, the Philistines become fearful. And faith arises in Israel. They begin to shout. They begin to rejoice. They, they begin to run after the Philistines. They begin to wound them. They, they begin to take all of, their, all of their plunder. It says in verse 53, Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your glory. We thank you, Lord, that even as we worship, giants fall. And we thank you that the world may know that there is a God in Israel and there's a God in the church. And that you are alive and well in each and every one of us, Father. We rebuke doubt, unbelief. We rebuke everything that would speak against us in our faith today. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. I want you to stick with me, bro. Before you're seated, would you turn to somebody and say, giants still fall? Tell somebody, come on. Just stay with me, buddy. Hallelujah. Come on, giants still fall. I want to give you some principles. I want to give you some principles about about faith but three things really I want to draw from this passage this morning and then we're going to worship three things that I want you to see about how is giant killing faith 
demonstrate? What does it what does it really look like? Because I really believe that more than just theory, we need to have some practicality about us. And I want you to see three things about David. Number one, David fights like a shepherd. <laughs> he fights like a shepherd. Why? Because it's who he is. He said, the Bible says he, he brought the shepherd's staff with him. He, he brought the sling and the pouch. In other words, the, the things that he used to, to fight off lions and bears and protect the sheep and the, and the lambs, he brings to the fight because this is who he is. He's not a soldier, not at this point anyway. He brings a staff. Number one, he fights like a shepherd. Number two, he speaks like a prophet. David declares the goodness of God, the victories of God, the power of God, the ability of God. Isn't it amazing, church? And even when we worship, what do we do? We declare Jesus over the nation. We, we declare certain things about the word of God, the, the truisms of God. Why? Because even when we are worshiping, we are, we are declaring even from the office of a prophet, this is who God is. He fights like a shepherd. He speaks like a prophet. He behaves like a king. He acts like a king. And I'll give you, I'll give you scripture in just a moment. He acts like a king. He, he behaves like a leader. He, he understands that there is a national problem that needs a solution. And he's willing to step up and take his place. He had no idea. He had no idea how it would impact the army. All he knew was that this giant was blaspheming. He was going to take care of the problem and, and that hopefully he would deliver the nation. And he did. He fought like a shepherd. He spoke like a prophet. He behaved like a king. Now, who do you know? Who do you know who's a shepherd? Who's a prophet? Who's a king? Who do you know? Uh, the spirit is in you. His spirit is in you. The spirit of Jesus. Do you, do you know that as great as David is and as great as this battle was, do you know that you have an advantage over David? Huh? Do you know that you're greater than David? Because David needed the anointing on him, but I want you to understand the anointing of God is in you. The spirit of the Lord is in you. You, you have more access to God than David did. You're more powerful. You're more dangerous. Huh? You're a greater shepherd. You're a greater prophet. You're a greater king. I'm going to prove it to you by the word of God in just a moment. So let's, let's, let's break these down in just a moment. But let me give you these principles because these are not on the PowerPoint. But you can have them in my notes. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. Then I'll talk about those three things that we're going to worship. Number one, you need to understand that your victory and God's glory are connected. They're interconnected. That when you win, God is glorified. Huh? When you win, God is glorified. Number two, you have to understand that private victories have corporate impact. That the things you do in private with God, you don't even know, might have a national, maybe an international impact. See these, these little shirts that are in seed form today, Ranjeev. Who knows? Who knows what God might do with this idea? Who knows the lives that God may touch? Number three, I understand that it is a spiritual battle. That's why Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. Listen, my friends, people are not your enemy. That's why he says we don't wrestle flesh and blood. Mm, but principalities and powers. You know, we were, we were in the office just in between the service. And Pastor Moses said to me, he said, do you realize that 
David wrestled a lion and a bear, but he never wrestled Goliath. Think about that. I stood there, I said, and what do you mean? What do you mean? He goes, well, he goes, Goliath is bigger, but he never wrestled him, but he wrestled the bear and the lion. And then Pastor Moses said this to me. He said, you know, he said, of the bear and the lion, David never said it's the Lord's battle. But with Goliath, he said, this is the Lord's battle, which means I don't have to wrestle with you. God going to take care of you. Huh? I like that, Pastor Moses. I like that. Number four, I understand that faith allows courage to be demonstrated. Huh? Faith is about courage. You know, even in Joshua, the, the Lord said, be strong and... Yeah. Bishop Tony Miller would always tell us as, as leaders, he would say to us, God can give you strength, but he can't be courageous for you. Courage has got to come from the inside. It's got to come from conviction. It's got to come from you knowing that I'm in the will of God. I have the word of God. Number five, I understand that when I use what God has placed in my hand, it moves the hand of God and giants fall. Number six, I understand that what I see through the eyes of faith will eventually come to pass. David must have seen it. He, he, he must have had the vision. He must have had a commercial from God. Here's the way it's going to end and you're going to cut his head off. Number seven, I, I understand that when I operate in faith forward, momentum is released in my life. By momentum, I mean that, that the Spirit of God begins to move in my ministry, in my family, in my marriage, in my home, in my children. All right, number one, here's what I want you to see. David fights like a shepherd. That's 1 Samuel 17, 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the, his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came, I took, a lamb, I, I took the lamb, I took a lamb from the flock. He says, I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and I killed it. A church, listen to the heart of David. It's a lamb, David. They'll have more lambs. Why, why didn't David go, it's just not worth it. Why, 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 why am I gonna risk my life for a lamb? That's a bear. That's a lion. That, that thing could turn and attack me and kill me. But you know, David is a shepherd that says, hey, that's my lamb. That lamb don't belong to you. You're taking something that doesn't belong to you. And, and you see, Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd. He said, my sheep hear my voice. A stranger, they will not follow. I, I love Psalm 23 where it says, your, your staff and your rod, they, they comfort me. And we use Pastor Jason as an illustration. A, a shepherd's staff has a, a crook on it here. Turn around, my brother. We're not going to hurt you. We're not going to go WWF on you. But part of what, part of what the shepherd does <laughs> huh? is what happens when you're new. You understand? <laughs> How many love Pastor Jason? Come on. Sometimes, the times your shepherd will come, they give you a little yank around the neck and you're like, hey, huh? But you know why we do that? Because we fight for you. 
because we love you, because we, we don't want you to fall amongst lions and bears and wolves. We, we don't want you to be in danger. Sometimes we, we have to pull or we have to prod or sometimes we have to poke to say, hey, don't, don't go there. Not, not because we're trying to manipulate you, because we love you. But some of you, listen to me, church, some of you, even online, some of you may not be, quote, unquote, a pastor, but so many of you have a shepherd's heart. You're, you're in your workplace. You're, you're in the community. You're where God has set you in. And you know the heart of the shepherd is in you. Behave like a shepherd. Fight like a shepherd. Fight for the lambs. I had a, I had a situation. I hope this doesn't fall again. But I had a situation. This week, I was with somebody, and they said, Pastor, is it going to fall? They said, Pastor, why, why, why did you respond like that? I said, because you're my lamb. And I'm going to have to give an answer for you. And I will not go to Jesus, the great shepherd, and say I didn't care. And, and Lord, you know, if I, if I corrected them, they might have left me. If I corrected them, they, they might not have misunderstood. They, 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 they might not have liked me. See, a true shepherd will go after the lion and the bear. And the Bible says David came with his stick and, and Emily found this sling, which is probably the most accurate. We did some research to the, to, to the Bible and you notice there's a, a piece of leather here and what David would have done is he would have put in the rocks. Five, everybody say five smooth stones. Not little pebbles. The, these would have been the size of a baseball that David would have put in his sling and with centrifugal force, listen to the whip, while he's running towards a giant with that rock. But when David saw the size of his fat head, he said, five rocks. I'm going to kill you in five rocks. Five is the number of grace. At full force now. Now watch this. Was it a lucky shot? No. How many times had David done this at night, in the day, in the darkness, against all kinds of predators? How many times practicing that skill? So here's a good question. Who killed Goliath? Did David kill Goliath? Did God kill Goliath? Or did they both kill Goliath? Here's, here's the life lesson. Your greatest confidence and trust will come from the things that you have mastered over time. And usually these things are developed in the secret place. Number two, he speaks like a prophet. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me. What do prophets do, church? Hey, you know, we, we, have, we have boiled down this ministry to um, here's who you're going to marry. Here's the car you're going to drive. God's going to give you a nice house. You're going to live in this neighborhood. I think the devil wants to take my voice. He can't have it. But, but David declares the, the goodness of God, the power of God, the, the ability of God. And, and, and David not only prophesies for the whole earth, he prophesies over that giant. 
Here's what God is going to do to you. Thank you. Here's what God is going to do to you today. My, my friends, have you learned to prophesy over yourself? Huh? Have, have you learned to prophesy over circumstances and situations? Have, have you learned to prophesy the word of the Lord over your giants? Listen, church, listen. Not mind over matter, not positive thinking, not, oh, oh, I'm just going to declare good things. Or, you know, if you were raised in my era, you know, you, you name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about, I understand, I see, I know who God is. I, I know what God has done for me. I know what, where God has delivered me. I know where God has rescued me. And I know that if God has de delivered me from my past, he has a future for me. <laughs> Begin to talk like a prophet. Begin to declare the word of the Lord. Begin to declare the promises of God. Huh? Are, 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 are you facing giants that want to eat your children? Huh? Those lambs? Those precious lambs? You know, my, my grandson, he might be watching me right now from my house. Huh? Every opportunity I get, I lay hands on him. I prophesy his future. I have a prophecy that came from the Lord before he was even a thought. A prophet came and said, your grandchildren shall serve the Lord. And every time he's two years old, I say to him, boy, you will serve the Lord. All kinds of obstacles, all kinds of impossibilities where in my own mind I say, God, how's this going to happen? All the influences, how, you know, his grandmother and I are not always, how, how? But how many understand God's bigger than us? Yeah. Speak like prophets. Prophesy his power. Prophesy his ability. Number three, worship team, get ready. He acts like a king. 1732, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Now, watch this, church. There's no arrogance in the boy. He's, he's not being proud. He's, he's not saying to Saul, listen, you, you've, been, you've been dispossessed. I've already been anointed. You're, you're yesterday's news. I'm, I'm the newest thing. Get out with the old and in with the new. Get out. No, 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 no. He says to this king, your servant. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't make it religious. He doesn't say, oh, listen, I'm the Lord's servant. I love it when religious people do that. Oh, I'm the Lord's servant. No, he says to this king, your servant is going to go deal with him. Because Saul, here's the truth. See, Saul didn't have confidence in front of Goliath because Saul was rebellious. God was in a, Saul was in a spirit of witchcraft. God, God had already stripped the kingdom from him. Listen, my friends, listen. When you are not obedient to God, you will have no confidence in front of your Goliath. That's why Pastor Moses said, deal with issues. So that when you get on the field and you're facing taunts and insults and ridicule and, and disdain. Huh? You don't have 
enough to say, do you know who I am? Who cares who you are? The, the world is full of people walking around telling other people who they are. And you know why they do that? Because they don't know who they are. See, if you know who you are, you don't have to tell people, this is who I am. You just walk it out. And God has promised me. And God has put these things in my, in my life. And I'm, and I'm walking and I'm behaving like a king, like a leader. I have confidence in God. His word is in me. And I have a testimony. You say, you say, Pastor, where are you getting this from? Well, didn't Peter say that you are a royal priesthood? Huh? In this morning service, Kimberly said, we don't need a priest to take us to God. Do you know why? You're your own priest. In Christ, you are your own priest. He has made you priestly. He, he has made you a royal priesthood. That's why you have access, because of Jesus. Jesus said, I put this anointing on you so that, Kimberly, when we come to worship God, we're not just worshiping, we are ministering to the Lord. But not just here, when you're in your car, in your workplace, when you're in your prayer closet, when you're there all by yourself and, and nobody knows what is going on, when, when you get up at three, four in the middle of the night, you have access because you're a priest. Somebody shared with me just before we came into the service. Somebody had a, a dream about me that there was some kind of negativity going on, some kind of nonsense, which I believe I know what the root of it is. But, but God gave this dream to a prayer warrior in our church. Came in, hasn't shared it with me personally, but with one of the staff, and 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 I was I was sent this text message, and and it said the the dream so moved her she had to get up and intervene. Man, how many are thankful for people that know God, huh? I was probably asleep. Think about it. I was probably asleep. And God gives a dream to this lady and says, hey, somebody wants to attack the pastor. Get up and pray. Huh? Get up and pray. Thank God for people that love Jesus in prayer more than they love their sleep. Oh, somebody ought to give God praise for that. Huh? That she just said, oh, he'll be fine. Turn over and, you know, I need five more minutes on the snooze button. No, people that know God, they said, I've got to get up. i got to pray. i got to intervene. My friends, listen, God loves you so much, he has even other people fight for you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I want us to stand. Everybody say this. Fight like a shepherd. Talk like a prophet. Behave like a king. See, when, when you know that you are royalty, when you know that you are a royal priesthood, you act differently, you behave differently, you, you recognize, wow, there, there is assignment on my life. There is purpose on my life. And I will not fear giants. 
And so as the worship team sings this amazing, powerful song, I bless you if you need to go online, if, if you need to be released from the room. But those of you, I don't know, maybe you need to come to the altar. I don't know. I don't know what you're facing, but I'm telling you, mountains still move, giants still fall. God still heals people. God is still God. Nobody is going to dethrone him.